It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Some people are labeling this weekend as the biggest recruiting opportunity in Brian Harson's tenure. We tell you what he needs to do next on today's Locked On Auburn. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackaby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Yes, I know the Auburn basketball team is starting their part of the madness today, and we will get to some basketball in the third segment with Justin Ferguson as he joins us every Friday for a little Ferg Friday action. But I like the bulk of this podcast to live and be relevant for more than four hours. So uh, we are now joined by special guest John Garcia Jr. He heads up college football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. And John, I, you know, I said it at the cold open there just a second ago, but a lot of people are saying that the opportunity in front of Brian Harson and his coaching staff with so many talented players coming in to visit this weekend is probably the biggest recruiting weekend he's had on the Plains in his fairly short tenure. Do you think that's a ridiculous claim to say, or can you see where they're coming from? I think it's a little much, Zach. Okay. You know, I think when you look back to December and and that group was starting to accumulate, especially with those junior college additions, yeah. and then you get into the portal and some things like that, I think there were some more important visitors. But you know, in terms of the collection of talent, the spring always provides more opportunity for volume. And, and that's not a bad thing when you're talking about any school, but especially Auburn, like you mentioned, you know, it's, it's been up and down to say the least with Brian Harson and company and recruiting has sort of suffered yeah. as, as, as a result of that. So I think that the best way to begin to, or continue to remedy that perception is in person It is with recruits, with their families and their high school coaches, which are sometimes even more important than the recruit because that message has to get across from the very top level. So I think the best way to do that is in person surrounded by a, a more relaxed atmosphere like spring football, as opposed to the season or even leading up to signing day where it just, it's just a little bit more pressure packed. This is more laid back, more yeah. casual and more time for, for the staff to be able to, to really dig into things. John, something you and I, we were DMing back and forth about this a little bit, but the importance of recruiting offensive line, Auburn getting talented high school offensive linemen. It hasn't happened a lot over the last few years, especially at the tackle position. There's a ton of really talented dudes coming in to, to visit this weekend. Who are some of these names that, uh, that stand out to you? I know there's a four-star, the Clay Whedon, if I'm saying that right, or Whedon. Four-star mm-hmm. offensive tackle, Bo Hughley. Offensive tackle, Stanton Ramil. I mean, there's a few three-star guys coming in, but a lot of names to really look at. And all those guys are sort of stock-up guys from a national perspective, right? Ramil is picking up offers left and right. I believe Auburn is one of his more recent offers. Ole Miss just jumped in with him uncommitted and he's the in-state one out of that group and I think that's really where a lot of the secondary focus needs to be for this coaching staff I mean he's at Thompson High School in the Birmingham area Uh, he's not native uh, to Alabama he moved down from New York 
but he's playing in SEC country, had a huge year in helping them uh, get to the state title game and win at Thompson High School. Right. And now his recruitment's becoming kind of an SEC deal. It's Auburn, it's Ole Miss, it's uh, Georgia's involved, Florida's involved. It's becoming a bit of an SEC, you know, classic type of battle. So those are the ones that Auburn needs to, one, compete for, and two, eventually start to win, especially when you talk about in-state recruits. So I think Ramil has kind of his own focus within that group. Yeah. Um, and then Bo Hughley is really interesting. Georgia commitment from Georgia. So naturally you say, oh, well, that would be a huge surprise. But he's been committed to Georgia for quite some time, and he's continuing to take visits. The last time I talked to Bo, the first school he brought up was Auburn. Okay. He said, this is a school I have to get back to. So there is still an attraction to AU. It's not, you know, sometimes the, the older folks, you know, we get excited about the movement in college football. And if perception starts to change, we're all over it. It doesn't really work like that with kids and teenagers and high school football coaches. They deal with this stuff every single day from, you know, a face-to-face perspective, not from 30,000 feet like we do. So I think those are always good reminders that, hey, you know, it's still Auburn, it's still the SEC West, and there's still a lot of talent that they're going to get on campus. That That is step one in the talent acquisition business. And you're getting, you know, Hughley 6'6", Ramil 6'7". I mean, you're getting some of the biggest, baddest of available linemen uh, coming to campus. So that is a very good starting point for any week and especially uh, the next one coming up. That's the most important. Sure. I mean, when you talk to guys like Bo or other players that are interested in what Auburn has to offer, what, what is the perception you're picking up about, you know, what these kids think about Brian Harson and this staff? Are, are there any kind of themes that you consistently see when you talk to them and folks bring up Auburn? Opportunity. And I think, again, we get caught up in uh, depth charts and we get caught up in, oh, this this school recruits all these great players at this one position. You can sell the opposite side of that, right? You can sell, hey, you know, we don't have the depth at this position. So you might be able to come in and compete as an underclassman, which in the SEC West is a, is a very big deal. So I hear that word opportunity, the the ability to compete right out of the gate is something that combined with Harson's, you know, business first type of mentality that I know that was under question uh, recently as well, but that hard physical mentality resonates with linemen. I mean, that's, you talk about positions where you should be coaching like that and you should be selling it. It it works right there. So I think O-line, the kids know it's a big deal. They know their priority position players uh, and they know there's an opportunity because that, that line is, is older Uh, on the current roster to come in and and potentially compete right out of the gate. And every recruit wants to hear that, whether you're the number one quarterback in the country or you're a long snapper, you want to know I can come in and potentially play at a school like this. Right. Absolutely. John Garcia, Jr., our guest joining us, will get his thoughts on a big name quarterback that is coming in town this weekend. But first, I want to take a second to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Go to built.com, you can check out all of the different flavors of Built Bar that they have to offer. They're constantly introducing new limited time flavors, so be sure and check all of that out. All these bars are very high in protein, very low in calories. They are delicious and good for you. How they're able to pull that off with also being covered 100% in chocolate, I don't know. I think there's some magic involved, but they are delicious. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is at built.com. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, John, you know, I mentioned it, but, you know, a big quarterback, a big-name quarterback coming in, four-star Christopher Vizena is coming in, and he's got some energy. You know, he's putting it on social media, and this is a guy that has this Auburn fan base excited. What are your thoughts on, one, him as a player and a prospect, and two, Auburn's chances with him? Well, yeah, Auburn fans should be excited because this is one of the premier quarterbacks in a year where – we're going to talk quarterbacks like every day. I mean, it's yeah. obviously Arch Manning is at the top of that list, at least perceptionally. But there's a group of about five or six guys thereafter that physically and skill set wise are right there with Arch. And and Chris, he's one that might be more ready to play today compared to Arch. Big physical kid, 6'4", 220 pounds, but a very good athlete. I had one SEC uh, assistant tell me he's got some Josh Allen vibes, big physical athlete, but with a great arm as well. So kind of the total package and what you want in the modern quarterback, very smart and very productive at a school that isn't really used to that. You know, Broward Christian, not a perennial power like a Thompson or a Hoover sure. or a central Phoenix city that we're used to talking about in the Auburn space, but he is an in-state kid. Uh, so we talked about it earlier with the linemen. Auburn's got to recruit local and semi-local first, um, perceptionally. That was really the key to the end of last cycle and the beginning of this cycle. And it all starts at the quarterback position. So it, it's quite uphill right now for Chris, but you're getting him on campus. And I think that is that is step one here. Brian Harson's a quarterback guy. We all know that. So I think that staff's going to be all in. The, the blue and orange carpet, whatever you want to call it, sure. will be rolled out because – all the indications are that Vizina is getting closer to maybe wrapping this thing up. He's been busy with the visits, Georgia, Ole Miss, Ohio State visited. He got the offer there. Clemson has been involved with him for a very long time. So you've got some heavy hitters involved with this recruitment. So what a statement it could potentially be if Chris was able to, to pick the Auburn Tigers over some of those more maybe perceptionally quarterback-friendly programs that have been a little bit more productive over the last five, 10 years or so. So him getting on campus is a big deal. This, to my knowledge, this visit wasn't set like long ago. This is something that was was changing here over the last few days. So I think yeah. that's another good sign. It's another re-emphasis on how much of our priority quarterback is and specifically Vizina, especially in a year where everyone's talking Arch Manning, everyone's talking yeah. Malachi Nelson, some of these other big names, he belongs in that conversation, he's he's done enough to, to get involved there. And I think uh, this offseason, he will cement that status as one of those types of quarterbacks. So just getting him on campus is a big deal. And we think he's not going to go very much longer as an uncommitted recruit. So that puts a little bit more onus on every visit he takes now. It's, it's evaluation mode time. It's not a courtesy visit. Oh, I'm going to stop by because... I'm in the area. No, this is, I need to check out my true options before I come off the board. And, and you know, when a quarterback comes off the board, it could really 
flip perception on its head. So uh, I think he would be the biggest get for Auburn in, in quite some time. Yeah, and I mean, one of the first guys, I think it was the first guy that Harson picked up last year was Holden Gurner, who, I mean, he, he looks great by all reports so far early into camp as a true freshman. And, you know, depending on who you ask, you know, maybe he's got a chance to, to, to win the job. But it seems like Harson has been able to consistently sell quarterbacks throughout his, uh, his tenure. Even back at Boise State, I think the caliber will go up now that he's at an SEC school. But um, if, he, if he's able to pull this off, John, and, and he has much of an impact as you think, I mean, this is the kind of domino that would fall that could possibly get other people to pay a lot more attention, right? This would be a national domino, and that's really yeah. not something we've associated with Auburn. They've always worked so well regionally, right? Recruiting the state of Alabama, going into Mississippi and Georgia, the neighboring states, and into Florida to supplement, especially with the skilled positions. That's been the Auburn formula right. forever. But when Brian Harson was brought in, that, that was immediately what I thought. It was like, maybe he tries to make Auburn more national, go more into Texas, where we've seen some Auburn success of lately. We've seen junior college success as well. But you get a Christopher Vizina, and now all of a sudden, nationally, you know, there's there, your ears are perking up everywhere if you're a recruit. It brings you receivers. It'll help with linemen. And, and again, that that flag planting of, of owning one of these top 10 quarterback recruitments in this class of 23, which is going to be known for quarterbacks, that will go such a long way, um, even beyond what Vizina brings individually. That, that trickle-down effect could be something big. We see it with all elite recruiting classes. These quarterbacks are extensions of the coaching staff. And they become peer recruiters, right? They're yeah. quarterbacks. They're smart. They're articulate. They're they're known. They have to be communicators. So now, all of a sudden, you're building your class a, a lot quicker than you were previously. One of the bigger wins that Brian Harson had this offseason was holding on to Zach Etheridge and obviously promoting him into a bigger role. And one of those was him heading up Auburn's recruiting. What are you hearing about him? Uh, any conversations with kids about Zach Etheridge that that pop up? And come to mind. I think when you start talking the local and hyper local, you, you've got to have someone who's been there and done it. So I yeah. think it gives a validity to some of these Auburn targets that they're going after, particularly those within state lines. Uh, and I think there's more youth there. There's energy there. And, right. and those are the qualities you want when you when you give somebody that type of, of title. So I think we'll find out more about it now as as he starts recruiting these other positions. We're so used to him recruiting in the secondary and on defense in particular. But now we start to see him getting involved maybe with a Chris Vizina, getting involved with some of these other recruits on the other side of the ball. And it could be a nice, a nice uh, breath of fresh air uh, for the Auburn recruiting pitch because I do think that Harson's going to be more old school, work, business oriented. So you, can you counter that with energy? Can you counter that with something to resonate with? I mean, I think those are the balances that every good coaching staff needs to have on it, and, and I agree with you. I think retaining him and elevating uh, Zach was a big deal. Yeah. Last guy I want to get your thoughts on, and, I, and I'll let you go. I appreciate your time, John. Um, but Cobb, the the running back out of Montgomery, Jeremiah Cobb, I mean, you, you've talked about the importance of of winning in-state, but how good of a back could this guy be with, you know, you, you talk about opportunity. Tank Bigsby will be gone after this season. I'm sure that's part of the selling point there. There's no doubt that's part of the selling point, you know, and he's another who's maybe out of all these kids we've talked about, he's maybe the hottest one in terms of adding new offers. I think Florida okay. came in this week, Auburn last week. So this is something, this is a prospect who's bu bubbling up 
right at the same time. We got to see him in Atlanta a couple weeks ago working the, the Under Armour camp. And, man, his speed is so noticeable, his stride, his comfort catching the ball out of the backfield. Talk about, you know, a modern running back. that You need that balance. Mm -hmm. uh, but, obviously, productive since a freshman there at Montgomery Catholic. He'll be the bell cow again as a senior. Um, and his recruitment is blowing up. So it's the right time to get him on campus because if he's thinking of an earlier decision, you might want to get him committed before he gets back over to Clemson and gets back to some of these, these uh, broader schools outside of the immediate region because Montgomery, I mean, you know, Zach, Montgomery, you have to win Montgomery right. if you're Auburn. I mean, always. It is – I don't want to say it's more important than any other metro in the state because I think the the Auburn metro is growing here very, very quickly. Especially if you put uh, – especially if you put Central kind of in that, that metro too because it's like, what, right, 25 right. minutes if, away? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to say – this is the most important metro, but in this class, Montgomery is absolutely loaded, and Auburn has to take advantage, not just with Cobb and the uh, Montgomery Catholic kids. Montgomery Carver's loaded. I mean, so many schools in that region, Pike Crossing, are are, are really, or excuse me, Pike Road, not Park Crossing. Right. They're all they're all bubbling up with elite talent, and I think Montgomery's going to be kind of when I go on my spring tour, that's the first city I'm going to go to. So I think it tells you where a lot of talent is and Auburn geographically has to take advantage of that. And Jeremiah Cobb would be a phenomenal start because you can win battles against perceptive bottom tier SEC schools, right? right. Uh, Kentucky, Missouri, et cetera. But when you start beating a Florida, a Georgia, a, you know, those kind of schools, it just means more. It, it feels different. It's a different kind of feather in the cap. And Jeremiah Cobb would be another tangible example of going head to head with teams that are supposed to be quote unquote better and beating them for a recruit. Right. John, before you go, how can folks either watching or listening right now, how can they read all of your content? Real simple si.com slash college. You know, I'm on a lot of fan nation sites. I'll be, I'll be on uh, the Auburn site a little bit more now. Congratulations on that one. Thanks. I'm excited to see where that goes, but we'll, we'll, we'll be all over fan nation, but for my stuff, si.com slash college. Real simple. Fantastic. That is John Garcia Jr. with SI joining us. Before we jump into the basketball preview with Justin Ferguson, I want to tell you, I hope you're prepared and you know who you'll be betting with throughout March Madness, and I hope it is our friends at betonline.net. They remain the spot for all of your betting info and anything you need, sports wagering, or they've got your classic casino games as well. Check it all out at Bet Online, where the game starts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate. Save money and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. And like I said at the top of the show, we couldn't go the full show without giving you a little bit more of a preview. We've talked about it all week, but let's go to the man that covers this team better than anyone, Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer. You're up there. Um, hopefully, you made it up there easier than the team did, Justin, <laughs> but... Uh, I think most Auburn people are feeling pretty good about this matchup happening Friday. Yeah, I mean, they should. It's a two fifteen. There's only been a, like a handful of times ever that a that a fifteen's upset at two. I'm not saying it's impossible. Uh, I actually like 
some of what Jacksonville State brings to the table in terms of, you know, your chances to upset, uh, you know, get a big upset. The fact that they, they shoot really well from deep, and that's been the key to basically, you know, you go back to, to some of the big big 15-2 upsets over the years, it's three-point shooting for the most part, unless right. I think the only exception was Dunk City over Georgetown. That Florida Gulf Coast team just kind of ran them out of the gym. But, yeah, yeah no, this is, this is a fairly good matchup for Auburn because um, – you know, this Jacksonville State team is not a team that's coming in off a win. Uh, they they lost uh, in their in their conference uh, tournament and got to get in on a technicality um, because of uh, the the OVC or I'm sorry the A Sun. They're not OVC anymore. Uh, the A Sun tournament champion uh, is still in transition to D1, so they couldn't play in it this year. So Jacksonville State's just a kind of a unique case uh, there, but not a very big team. Most small schools aren't. Um, kind of a four guard, one big setup. So I think. Um, you know, you look at Jabari Smith, uh, you look at Auburn's wings, I think you get a clear advantage with guys like uh, Alan Flanagan and Devin Cambridge when they come into the game. Chris Moore, if he gets minutes, right. um, you take advantage of that. And honestly, a slow, slow-paced team for the Jacksonville State, uh, the kind of offense they run, they turn the ball over a decent amount, and they don't force turnovers as well. Um, so the key to this game for Auburn is going to be be athletic um, right. and use your size to your advantage and, and speed them up. Speed them up. It's, it's very, I wrote about this Thursday at the at the Observer. Yep. It's a very similar on paper to the to the Moorhead State team Auburn played in, in in the first game of the year, and they hammered them on defense early and, and blew them out. Yeah, I think this is a team where like you may see them really jazzed up and fired up to be you know in tournament play, and you know I'm sure their coach is going to give them a, a, a you know a, a big kind of pep rally type talk to fire them up, and you know they may come out you know, extremely aggressive and things like that. But just over the course of 40 minutes, I just don't see this one being extremely competitive. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about Auburn not playing well uh, recently compared to what they were in the middle of the year. I mean, but they haven't played a team of this caliber in over, you know, three months at this point. Like, this is a, this is a game where, um, you know, they, they're playing a team that, um, doesn't recruit like them and doesn't have the size of them and they, and they don't have the athleticism they, and they, they didn't have the same sort of path. I mean, you look at Jacksonville State, uh, they played three top 100 teams this year. One of them was Alabama. They played really well against Alabama right. uh, early in the season. Um, you know, played VCU, um, you know, played play a couple others. And so, you know, it, they it's just a different path to get here. And so Auburn has, you know, got to just play a, a, a decent game of basketball and they'll be fine. Now, if they shoot really, really poorly – and they turn the ball over and they make a lot of mistakes. Jacksonville State can hang around and, and, and scare them for sure. Um, but, you know, the fact that you have one of the best front courts in America and you're playing an undersized team right. that isn't really built for comebacks uh, should help you out a lot. So it's impossible to say 100% one way or the other, Jay Ferg, but do you think Auburn fans should be cheering for Miami or USC for Auburn's potential opponent in the round of 32? Yeah, I think the better matchup is Miami. Um, okay. You know, uh, nothing to take away from Miami. They've got an awesome offense. Jim Laranaga is, is a fantastic coach who has, you know, some great tournament history. Um, they got a really bad defense. <laughs> and you think about how Auburn's offense has struggled away from home in the last month or so. Yeah, uh, it's nice. come against it, com- it comes against elite defenses, and, and Miami just isn't that. They, they are a team that just kind of wants to outscore you. And, um, you know, Auburn – is a team that I think matches up better than that. USC, um, you know, Evan Mobley, um, or I'm sorry, Isaiah Mobley, Evans' brother, uh, 
you know, the, 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 they've got Mobley down low. He's a great, you know, big man power forward. He, I think he would be a much tougher, you know, competition in the paint than what you would get out of Miami. Miami's a little more guard oriented. Sure. I think USC also brings, you know, Drew Peterson, Boogie Ellis are really good experienced scorers and shooters. Miami's a really experienced team as well, but they're a lot more guard oriented. I just think if you're looking at matchups and, you know, what Auburn's strength is and what they could do, um, you know, in a potential second round game, I think you'd rather see a Miami team that's struggled on defense and has tried to get, get in shootouts more than you would a more balanced, good rebounding, um, you know, USC team that, uh, you know, I think went through a tougher stretch. Um, the, I think the Pac-12 uh, overall was a, was a tougher conference than the ACC was this year. And the oh, only wow. losses, I mean, like USC's had some tough losses recently, um, but they've come against like Arizona and UCLA, like two awesome teams. So right. um, I think Miami Miami's a little more hot, hot or cold than the, the USC team's been this year. Which, I mean, big picture, what a crazy statement you just said. The Pac-12 better at basketball <laughs> than the ACC. It's been, yeah. it's been a crazy, crazy few years for – the power shift in the world of college basketball. It's been fun to see. So, um, you know, I made a joke about this at the start of our conversation, Jay Ferg, but the the basketball team, they had a little bit of trouble getting up um, to, uh, you know, to, to South Carolina. Do you think that has to do, you know, is that going to be an issue at, at all? I don't think it will be, but I think it's worth asking the question. You know, they're going to get yeah. in a little bit later than they originally planned. Yeah, no, they, they, they did get in a little later and, um, you know, it was, just kind of basically set you back a couple hours on your schedule. Um, but they got in at a reasonable hour th- uh, Wednesday night in Greenville. Um, and, uh, you know, I had talked to the players about it today. I talked to, you know, Bruce Pearl. Yeah. Um, you know, I had talked about it. And he said, you know, it was just uh, kind of a weird, just, you know, hang up that you get with travel sometimes. And, um, you know, Auburn kind of went through it. And, um, but the, the big picture is that it really didn't. Really didn't hurt them too much, and it wasn't like they were getting, you know, in the in a green bowl, you know, in the middle of the night or anything like that. They still got to have somewhat of a normal schedule, uh, just with that delay with the, with the airplane. Well, when all the those reports were coming out <laughs> Wednesday night, I was looking at it. And it's like I mean, you can drive to Greenville in like three and a half hours. <laughs> like worst case, they're still going to get in yep. with plenty of time, even if they had to drive. Yep. So yeah, okay. Yep. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. So, I mean, just as far as, you know, who needs to step up in order for Auburn to survive this first weekend, Justin, if you could give me two names of mm-hmm. guys that Auburn fans need to look at, you know, okay, if these two guys play well, Auburn is a Sweet 16 team come Sunday. Yeah, yeah it's Wendell Green Jr. and, and Katie Johns. Makes uh, sense. You know, Auburn, guards, guard play has been the big factor. Um, when Auburn's guards are good, they're, they're pretty much unbeatable. When Auburn's guards are not playing well, uh, they can lose to, um, you know, anybody, um, maybe not a Jacksonville State, but, you know, just the gap between the performances Auburn's had in wins and losses is really comes down to the efficiency of the guards, whether it's, you know, turnover rates or just pure shooting uh, for both of those guys. You know, K, uh, Walker Kessler, Javari Smith, even Auburn's links, you look at the difference between the splits, wins and losses between those, those guys, there's really not that much of a difference. And we've right. seen Jabari and Walker and those guys play well in losses. Haven't seen the same from a guard. You can't really point to a game this year where you felt like a guard had an awesome game and Auburn just still lost. Um, so they don't have to be Superman. You know, they don't have to be world beaters. They just need to play good, clean ball. Um, you know, get get you know help out the offense by stretching the floor, um, creating some more space for guys like Kessler and and and, and Jabari to uh, to take advantage of the front court matchups. Um, but you know, if if they're off with their shooting and they're turning the ball over. Um, it's just, you know, Auburn's just a completely different team. So uh, it's got to be those two guys. 
yeah. think we'll see a lot from I think we'll see a lot from Jabari Smith. I think we'll see a lot from Walker Kessler. I think those guys are going to be awesome. Sure. But the difference between winning and losing for Auburn this season has been guard play. Right. And I've seen so many people, both media and fans, say, well, Auburn's guards, they just got to get hot. And it's like, obviously, that would be good. That would be a good thing mm-hmm. if they got, quote, unquote, hot. But I just think they need to play average, uh, especially yeah. this first weekend. If they play average, the defense <clears throat> and Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler will, will do enough for you to win games. I mean, Auburn's guards were shooting like less than 20% in some of these road losses. And they were yeah. like either forcing overtime or losing by like four points. And it's just like, if you just shoot a little bit better, you're blowing these teams out of the gym. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to harp on, on this because it was one game, but like Katie Johnson's really bad performance against Texas A&M. I mean, everybody sees the stat line. They know how off that was. It was one of those things where like, if Auburn play, if he just gets a bad game, not a terrible game, just a bad game, um, and hit some shots. They, they, there's a good chance to win that game because you only lose by you know five. With, yeah, if he's with three that of fourteen, they probably yeah. win. Yeah, right. Right. So again, like I said, you don't have to be Superman, uh, but you just got to play. You just got to play efficient, clean basketball, and, and let the and let the stars take over. Justin Ferguson, how can people find you, hear you, support you, read you, all of that good stuff? I'm sure you're gonna have a lot of good things up this weekend. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Uh, check it out. Uh, we've got a lot going on with the NCAA tournament this weekend. Um, we'll have coverage from every game. We'll have a podcast uh, after every game, and uh, yeah, newsletter up Friday morning. Observations later today. Um, we'll, we'll get we'll get plenty of stuff in your inbox if you sign up. So six dollars a month, six dollars a year. AuburnObserver.com. It's worth it, especially for events like this, folks. Yeah, like I mentioned at the top of the show, we will be putting up another podcast. We'll do a live YouTube show. Sometime, probably about an hour after the conclusion of Auburn basketball's uh, hopeful win against Jacksonville State. But until then, this has been Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.